Welcome to Healthy Perspectives Podcast with Jeremiah, where we provide clinical perspectives on current social and cultural issues. And don't forget, you can subscribe at Podbean, Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe at any or all of them. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Getter, Twitter, and many other social media sites. Or you can email us at healthy perspectives with an S at protonmail.com. Cultural distortions, the lies that the culture teaches us. If you've been with me for any length of time, you have heard me talk about the individual making up the culture. I start with that part because there is a true, real pressure that comes from culture itself. But any pressure that comes from culture stems from an individual or a group of individuals, more typically a group of individuals. So you might be wondering, why are we talking about this today? We're talking about this today because these distortions change everything in your world and mine. I'm going to highlight some distortions, some distortions that seem pretty evident to me as I work with individuals, couples, families in clinical work. It's up to you to decide if you think these fit. So here here comes the list. This is a list of distortions that I I believe are pretty reasonable uh, when we look at our culture from an objective point of view. There's a pill for everything. In the United States, that's a pretty common perception in our culture. You know what? You take a vitamin, take a supplement, uh, you got to have your coffee, uh, you know, a pill, maybe maybe a pill or a substance for everything. Uh, drugs, alcohol, you know, there's a pill for everything. In other words, a fast fix. Another one, sex is a biological response. Leaving out that the relationship is a, is present to, it's saying, no, don't worry about the relationship. Our culture teaches that sex is a biological response. You got to do it. So just be careful, right? That's a distortion. It's completely negating a whole section of human sexuality around relationships, Money determines success. Like if these things sound right to you, please challenge this. Like send me an email. I want to hear from you. Money determines success. That's something our culture teaches. More money equals more power. In other words, if you have money, you immediately percolate up the charts hierarchically in our society. What this doesn't tell you is that money is used to silence, which is inherently one of the places where it's perceived to get its power. But it also neglects to tell you that most social movements don't start with money. Right? Like when we look at uh, fads for clothing, 
how many of those start among the wealthy? No, typically it starts in a place of poverty and it percolates from there out. Go ahead and do the research. I've done it. Political divisiveness is necessary. I just have to ask, why? Now, I get the idea of countering arguments as a way of uh, understanding more broadly what's going on. But political divisiveness is necessary. Yeah, that's a cultural pressure that comes out of one part of our culture, the political arena. It doesn't come from, you know, the rest of us sitting around tables It doesn't have to be divisive. There are families where it's divisive, and then there are families that function with different viewpoints and not divisiveness. They can choose to love and to disagree. Another cultural pressure that's actually a distortion, if you make them emotional, you can control them. Yes, in fact, unbalanced emotions create errors at a greater rate. That is true. Like I, there's, there's plenty of evidence to support unbalanced emotion, meaning we're not balancing it with our thoughts. We are reacting to the emotion. And yet, the idea that you can control, it should be more accurately that making somebody emotional allows you to silence them right? Because they make mistakes and then therefore you can point at them and basically tell them that they're stupid. Not saying it's right, but the culture is telling you you can control. It's saying it's a point of power. And what it's actually doing is taking advantage of a natural weakness. That's not a control. Another one is to separate church and state. What the culture's really meaning when you dig into it, is keep religion out of government. In other words, free religion so that people can believe what they wish to believe. But to separate the church and state is a distortion. It's a distortion. I'm sure I'll have some people argue with me on that one. Individuality means you have to find a way to appear unique. So you have the responsibility to find something that is either unique in the world and then make it your own, or something about you that is unique and make sure that the world knows it. It's an appearance of uniqueness. That's what our culture will have you believe. It's a distortion. You're all unique. Every one of you. You have to do nothing special to be unique because you already are. Another one is how others see you is more important than how you see you. This is why so many people are depressed and will not admit it. Run anxious, but will not work on it. Because they pretend that they're not. And if you're depressed and you pretend that you're happy, then people will accept that you're happy. You are entitled to elitism. That's another one. In other words, you deserve the best deal, 
the most stuff, etc., 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 as if you deserve it, which is ironic because simultaneously our culture is saying, you are no better than anybody else. So you deserve more than anybody else, but you're no better than anybody else, no matter what your status. Hmm. That's a distortion. Work ethic and work itself is overrated. Look, we have gone as a, as a culture in, in America, we have at many times worked the snot out of our people. That's true. Look back in history. It's pretty evident. People have worked very, very hard in America. We pay for tomorrow with today's labor, right? That's, you know, that's a pretty common philosophy out of the, you know, early 1900s and on into even into the 80s and the 90s. And people now are being told that work is overrated and you should take whatever you can get for free. You know, you shouldn't have to work for it. That's really what people are being told. Look at our culture. It's telling you that. More social programming, more government expenditures to try to rescue people from themselves. In other words, <laughs> you're not capable of doing it by yourself. You're the victim and we're the rescuer. That's what our government often suggests in their behaviors with things like, hey, let's bail out college students. No need to sacrifice for tomorrow at all. That's what our culture is telling us. It's a distortion. There's no need to sacrifice for tomorrow. What that does is it increases our dependence tomorrow. If we don't live responsibly then tomorrow we're going to have greater needs. And with greater needs, they really have to push, the culture does. The culture has to push this agenda that there's no need to sacrifice. Somebody will come along and they will rescue you, which is a distortion. There will come a point where that cannot happen. It's, it's a matter of time. Another distortion is absent moms or dads will be covered by social programs. Again, I'm staying on that social programs thing, but I'm trying to make the point that these are distortions. You don't get to be an absent parent and then have the state raise your child and think that your child is going to be just fine. There is no replacement for it. Fast is best. If it takes persistence, don't bother. That's what our culture tells you. Fast is best. And that is not always true. Matter of fact, most often I would say it's not true. But that's what our culture teaches. It teaches that. And the last one I'm going to do for today in terms of describing some of these cultural distortions. Systemic racism means everyone is racist. Our culture would like you to believe that. Culture. Now remember... I'm talking about a person or a group of people who have pushed this to the forefront and is making it feel like pressure to the individual. That's how it works. And I would to that suggest the noticing color 
It's like noticing beards, hair, body structures, shapes. Generalizing it is the problem. Generalizing it is the problem. And so when we say systemic racism, what are we doing? We're generalizing the racism. So that goes contrary to reality, which is we should notice difference. We should, in fact, notice difference. We're, we're made to notice difference. What we're not made to do is to generalize it all into one category and then pick on anybody who doesn't believe that. Right? Because that would inherently be what racism was. And some would suggest it is still. So if culture stems from the individual, now I say if, because you have to decide if you believe this or not. I don't get to decide this for you. I'm telling you from my studies of psychology, sociology, and culture, and stuff like that, my, my studies would suggest that it stems from the individual. Then knowing distortions can strengthen our resolve to live a better life. It can. It can do that. People can and do believe that these things are true. The things that I told you, I went down a list. I don't know. I probably went down like 15 things. And there are people who believe each of those distortions. And that's why they percolate. They percolate to the forefront. So then the question becomes, who believes these distortions? That's a big question. I don't have that answer for you. You know, it's, it's super easy. The, the low-hanging fruit there is the media believes that these are truths because they're the ones pushing it, right? Yeah, but who decides what gets released in the media? Somebody is sitting at a chair somewhere saying, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. Like somebody is doing that. And they dictate to a great extent what you and I hear through the media. But somewhere, definitely people are believing these distortions. And I saved this for now because if culture stems from the individual and if knowing those distortions can strengthen our resolve to live a better life, if those are true, then our greatest distortion is possibly the quantity. One of the things that our culture does more than just about anything else is they take small percentages and make it seem like it's really, really big. So I'm going to give you some examples of what quantity can do. How many people do you think are transgender? I'm going to let that sit for a second. How many people, based on what you have heard, read, seen, how many people do you believe are transgender? You're probably thinking that this is a pretty large number. I don't know, maybe like 20% of the population. Because if you're looking at media, if you're looking at, uh, you know, 
what's going on in schools that shows up in front of you, the stuff that makes it into your purview, you're probably thinking it's a pretty good chunk of people. Well, based on a UCLA School of Law study, it is 1.6 million people today. 1.6 million, that's a lot of people, isn't it? But when you do the math, there's 329.5 million people in the United States or thereabouts. You know, it changes every day. That means it's half of 1% of our population. I'm betting you didn't know it was that small of a number. Are they important? Of course. I, I, I want you and everybody to express kindness, respect, and love for people regardless. But understand, it's less than one half of 1%. How many addicts do you think there are in the United States? Go ahead, do that do that math in your head. Some of you are probably going to be like, well, it's probably almost everybody. Some of you are probably going to be like, well, no, I don't, I don't know any addicts. It's probably not that many. According to the American Addiction Center, it is 19.7 million people. I think that's an older stat that was before 2020. Uh, I believe it was a 2017 or 2018 uh, article that I was reading. That would mean it's nearly 6% of 12-year-olds plus, because that was their category, 12 and up, 6%. So put that into perspective. Which issue is more significant? Addicts or transgender? Well, considering there's 12 times the number of addicts and addiction leads to death at a great rate, a very significant rate. Now, we also know that transgender identity issues can also lead to death. Suicide uh, is pretty common in transgender communities. But do the math. If every person that was transgender were to commit suicide. Now, I'm not saying that they're not important. Please don't misrepresent what I'm saying. It would still be insignificant in number compared to if 10% of the addicts do the math. Do the math. How many people want a declared religion for the state? According to a Pew article in 2021, which is not that old, 31%. How many people want a separation of church and state? 54% of the population. Now, these are you know, research-based, but uh, understand they're taking small sections. What this means, if you listened to what I just said, 31% would prefer that there be a declared religion and 54% prefer that there's a separation of church and state. What you're dealing with is language confusion. I really believe that that's probably the case. Now, 
I, can't, I don't get to tell you what to believe. But if 31% want a declared religion and 54% want a separation of church and state, what that might help you, this may help you, I'm hoping this will help you, that what that might indicate, at least in, in the starting of a conversation, is that we view the separation of church and state differently and pretty significantly different, right? Significantly different in terms of, do we want people to have religion? The idea of people having religion, sure, that's pretty important for most of our country. But do we want it in our government? That's a totally different question. So when those questions are formed, I would suggest we take a little bit closer look and read the actual articles. Here's the last one I'm going to leave you with. Then I'm going to summarize and we're going to get you out of here. How many people do you believe are racist? This is a super interesting question to me. Because when I did the research on it, I came across, well, I came across a bunch of stuff, but there's one in particular that was super fascinating. It was professionals disagreeing with each other, which I always think is pretty fascinating. There was this article on the prevalence of racial discrimination in the United States. It was published in 2019. Uh, yes. It was a pub, a PubMed Central um, that, that I found it on. So why do I bring this one up? Because they suggested based on their current research in that year, what, what year was that? Uh, 2019, that racism was between 50 and 75%. But they did this citing an article that's a longitudinal study now, that's a big deal because longitudinal studies are far more accurate than individual studies. This particular study had 3,716 people, but it has been cited 144 times. 100, and that's a lot of citations for a, a, a professional article. Why? Because it speaks the narrative that the cultural distortion suggests. I really believe this because when I read the longitudinal study that was done by uh, somebody named Boutwell, B-O-U-T-W-E-L-L, it suggested that 25.2%, which is about one quarter of the population, regardless of race, believe that they have faced discrimination of different types. And some of those were not racial discriminations. Could be sexual discrimination, could be a lot of different things, age discrimination and stuff like that. So one-fourth. And now, all of a sudden, just a few years later, we have this article that is saying we are now between 50 and 75% racist. Hmm. That's very interesting. Why might it seem to be so much higher now? We'll come back to that distortion that I told you about. Quantity. How many times has race been thrown in front of you 
as a major factor. How many of you are annoyed by how often race is thrown at you as a major factor? That can create a massive distortion. We have probably worked our way in America from being very racist in its beginning, very much so. We had slaves. When when the king uh, sent over slaves, which is how it happened, uh, the American people of the time, the colonists, uh, took many of those slaves and made them indentured slaves. Like they were, they were bought like cattle. It was wrong. In every way, it was wrong. We've gone from that to where it's 25% of the population have encountered racism of different sorts or discrimination is the way it was originally worded. But let's assume every one of those was racism. How does it go from 25% up to 50 to 70? By the way, 50 to 75% is a massive range. That is a massive range. And how does it go up that fast? There's one explanation that I can come up with based on my research, and that is it's a distortion. It's a distortion based on how often we see it, how much it's being put on our mind. It is brainwashing that is being done by people that are elite. That's what it is. It's a brainwashing. You are being told you are a victim or you are being told that you are a persecutor. You are evil and you need to check your racism, your views, because you're either a racist or you're the victim of racism. And is race a real factor? Yes. Even if it's 25%, it's too much. Definitely. 100% agree with that. Is it as big as you are being led to believe right now? No. Um, I am very certain it is not as big as you are being told that it is. So uh, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to just highlight this one factor one more time. What we focus on can create distortions. If we see 500 people that are staged, brought before us, and they all have the same story to tell because it's staged, it's, it's a fake presentation, it's a distorted percentage, we will believe that a problem is massive when in fact it is not massive. If we get to a point where we flip these narratives and we are minimizing, that is just as big of a problem. And I tell you that because distortion is wrong on either side. And how hard is it to be accurate? It's hard. It's very hard. There are going to be people who agree or disagree with some of the things that I've said in here. That's going to happen. And if I have a distortion of some sort, I'm open to you giving me feedback. What I don't want is for you to push your agenda. That's you emphasizing your distortion. 
Like, let's grow beyond that. Let's not push your agenda like I'm not pushing my agenda. I've been very clear. 25% is too much. 50 to 75% is a distortion. Make sense? I'm, I'm not playing both ends of the candle. What I'm doing is looking at it as accurately as I can by seeking out different perspectives and using those different perspectives to inform a more real, authentic reality. Now, I know that's hard for some people. Reality. Like, how do you know perception is reality? No, perception is not reality. Whoever spread that lie is full of baloney. Perception is not reality. Reality exists whether you like it or not. There is a reality. And it is our role to attempt to find the closest we can to the reality. That reality that exists without our agreement or disagreement. With that, I'm going to let you go ponder. I hope this was helpful and I hope it challenged you. I hope you're thinking. I think you could be thinking harder thoughts, more deep thoughts, and then have conversation. Talk to people about it. Share this with people so that others can talk about it. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a look at our website at www.healthyperspectives.com with a dash in between the healthy and the perspectives, make sure there's an S at the end.com. So again, www.healthy-perspectives with an S.com. 